Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. I'm Francine Lacroix. And I'm David Merritt. And this is In the City, Bloomberg's podcast, connecting you to the stories and the voices at the heart of the City of London. And right now, we're going to be recording another bonus episode. So much news coming thick and fast. We just had to tackle this subject today. There are huge moves happening in the UK's guilt market. In fact, some are saying that market is crumbling. Yeah, could I just say that bonds are meant to be boring? Yeah, so, they are anything so, but, Francine. I know, they're I quite exciting. Bonds. So we're going to try and really break it down to make everyone understand what we're dealing with and what the way forward is for the Bank of England. In the studio, we're joined by Christina Kino, Managing Editor of Markets, and Lucia Giftopolu, Asset Management Reporter, although we're calling her a pension queen. Right, <laughs> because it's all about pensions this week, right? I mean, all the danger they were in. I mean, that's how bad things got, right? Yes, I think they have become quite sexy these last few days. Um, d- defined benefit pension funds, which are the funds that guarantee savers a set uh, payment when they retire, so d- regardless of the swings of the markets, they... A couple of weeks ago, they just found themselves into a death spiral where they were causing their own demise. They, they were facing margin calls, and as a result, they had to sell these long-dated bonds, which took the price much lower, and then they had to pay more in collateral. So they kind of got into a situation where the Bank of England had to come in and save them. So a death spiral, I mean, it was literally a death spiral, you said. So these spiral. things could have actually gone out of business. So people's people's actual pension savings were on the line here. Well, in a way, yes. Yeah. So the, they use some type of derivatives to do that. And these the funds that they use would have had to be liquidated. Now, whether the pension funds would become solvent is a different question. And it's not certain they would have, but they would have faced m- major losses. Has this ever happened in the UK before in the mm, pension industry? No, it hasn't. So <laughs> in, to my knowledge in the last so, so this strategy exists for 20 years and it, it's the first time they've been that people found out there is this thing actually exists yeah but but this i mean the point is that we had 48 hours of complete chaos mm. in guilds but this is should be low risk investing and once again and this is usually how crises start mm. once again it's slow risk investing you know these strategies that are anything but low risk so what did we get wrong I think that these were meant to, they, they worked very well in a kind of low rate environment where there were not wild market moves. But once this started, they couldn't control it because they hadn't faced it before. Some people, some consultants have said that the volatility just broke through this model that had worked fine for the past 20 years. And now they don't know if going forward, they can actually use this in the way it is right now. I'm just dialing it back a bit here, maybe bringing mm. in Christine. Just um, where this all began with the, we've got a new government in Britain, new chance of the Exchequer, they, what they're calling their pro growth agenda. They announced a huge slew of tax cuts. It freaked out the markets, but the place it freaked them out most was in the government bond market or the gilt market, wasn't it? Can you explain a little bit to us more broadly 
why that happened and how do we get to this point where actually everyone's pensions are under threat? Well, Dave, I think what we saw in bond markets is essentially investors going up in arms over the UK's fiscal plan. They're calling it a pro-growth plan, but what they're really doing is spending more, cutting taxes, and doing it in such a way where it's going to be unfunded, i.e. they're going to have to increase the amount that they're going to be borrowing from public markets over the next few years. Now, now they justified this, didn't they? Sort of interrupt, but they, they said, look, the, the market can take more borrowing. They said Britain's got one of the lowest debt to GDP ratios of the G7. You know what? We can we can afford to borrow a bit more, but they got that wrong, right? Yeah, because I think the other side of this, so that's one side of it, right, is the fiscal approach. And this is what the UK plans to do. And yes, maybe in a vacuum, you would think that the government or, or rather the bond market in the UK has the capacity to absorb more debt. But the other side of this is very important. It's the monetary policy side of it. We are in an environment of rising rates and rapidly so. And the Bank of England already behind as it is uh, versus this other their peers was going to have to scramble to raise rates a lot more to get a hold of inflation. And suddenly you have monetary policy and fiscal policy clashing majorly, which really what the bond markets was up in arms about. So, Lukia, was this really a miscalculation from the government? As far as anyone can remember or recall, the UK has run a deficit on its current account, which means that the nation, as Mark Carney said, relies on the kindness of strangers. Those strangers are investors. I mean, for the long-dated bonds, the main investors are the pension funds. And this was one of the problems, that there were no natural buyers. So no one was going to buy when they were selling because they, the, the long-dated bonds, which are the bonds that would mature in like 20, 30 years, they're mainly owned by these pension funds. I, I don't know if anyone had thought that this was a possibility in life, that this, this thing could actually happen. And it would just be another obscure part of the market that would blow it all up. But is, is, was there also a liquidity problem which regulators are now looking into? There were liquidity problems because the pension funds had to come up with collateral so fast that they actually did not have time to sell any assets. So they would have to come up with collateral in three, four hours when they usually have 10 days to do so. And they were just, they, they had assets to sell they, 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 they were liquid in the sense that they had equities to sell, they had bonds to sell, they just did not have any time to sell them. So we had emergency action from the Bank of England to try to, try to um, stop the panic. We've had them again this morning. We're recording this on Tuesday morning. We've had them again coming out and stepping into the market to try and stabilise things. Because yesterday, on Monday, we saw this huge, I think, record increase um, in the yields on inflation-linked gilts. Christine, can you explain a little bit about what happened yesterday and the historic move? Well, I think what we saw yesterday was precisely the dynamic that Lucio was describing, right? You suddenly had this massive sell-off in this part of the market that is usually very sleepy, Dave. This mm. doesn't happen on a normal day. But we finally saw it happen because uh, all of these pension funds that had to dump their assets, right, uh, they are mainly the biggest buyers of these inflation-linked bonds. And suddenly they're having to sell these. And that created the spiral of a sell-off in this market. Market, investors or maybe third-party observers are suddenly seeing, oh my God, there's a sell-off. We better get in on this before we get burnt. And that kind of just causes the spiral, the death spiral that, that Lukia had mentioned. And again, this is why probably we're seeing the Bank of England having to step in, what, for the second time in two days. Have you, you know, you've covered markets for many years here, right? <laughs> have you ever seen, especially in the boring gilt market, 
these sorts of moves ever before? No, not in my lifetime. And I've been in this market for more than a decade, aging myself a little bit here. Uh, no, this is really unprecedented, at least in the modern ages. And I think this is precisely why investors in Bank of England alike are probably really, really worried right now. Lucia, can you explain to understand what was really at work? Maybe we need to also understand these liability-driven investments, right? That's useful because it means basically that pensions funds have to have enough collateral or liability to cover it. Dear Lord, yes. That, so this is LDI is something that has now become the word. And People talk like about them in three, bars. Three weeks ago, I know when, when it actually happened, I had investment managers calling me and saying, "What the hell is that?" <laughs> Can it, they were googling explainers to try and understand, and then they were trying to kind of explain it to me. But we have the explainer so on the podcast. We do so now. We yes. So basically, this is a type of derivative trade that pension funds use to match their liabilities and their assets. So they they have more money to invest in growth assets. So once they are, they have enough guilds to pay out their liabilities in 20, 30 years time when the when when people in the scheme will will be retired, they can use assets to actually, you know, grow grow the money that they have. When bond prices fall, they have to pay collateral. And when they rise, they get collateral. On this occasion they fell and they fell steeply and they fell fast, so they had to pay a lot of money very fast. As a result, they now need to have multiple amounts of cash of what they had before to be able to withstand very, very wild variations in, in the market. So they're now selling everything they have to come up with a cash. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest-growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank. Because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. So, so you could argue that at some point this was going to combust anyway and the mini budget was the, the fire that lit it. I, I think yes. I think if people had thought the various different scenarios of it, they could have decided that this yeah. is the case. But no one was thinking about that during the, the, the very long bull market and low interest rates. So it's it's been a wake-up call, I think, for everyone involved. So thinking about the the real world if you like impact of this some people listening to this what we're talking about here might find all this still pretty obscure you know moving around these derivatives and the, the guilt and the yield and the price action what does it mean for people's pensions for people's savings for people's mortgages well i think that these are kind of 
three different things. One thing is that this chaos is now spilling into other asset classes. So we've seen a sell-off in corporate bonds. We've reported a sell-off in multi-asset funds. And I'm sure there is a lot more happening that we haven't yet reported. So this will affect the prices of other assets that are in people's pensions as well, including not defined benefit, but other schemes. Then for, for defined benefit schemes, I think every, everyone I speak to, they try to downplay it a bit. They say, we're, we're, you know, there are no solvency issues here. We're very well liquidated, but we do have to rebalance hugely. I don't know if any of the big schemes will implode. And I, I would be very worried to say, to make an assertion like that. But, you know, when yields go up, then mortgages go up so people will have to pay a lot more i think it was a shock i'm not sure how long it will take to manage it because we see now the bank of england doesn't think it's time for it to leave yet so yes i mean savers and 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 people who have to pay mortgages are a bit worried but there's so much money in pensions on there you know it's the ripple effect so as you're talking about these 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 kind of fire sales of other assets that's going to ripple through the economy in ways that maybe we can't really predict at the moment? Yes, I, I don't think we can because it's only just started and, and investment managers generally say we'll see this unfolding over the next several weeks. So I think it's too early to say with certainty this is going to happen but the signs so far are this is spilling into other parts of the market. Christine, when you look at guilds, this is my CFA level 25, they're so <laughs> crazy, right? Some of the movements are so crazy. And the Bank of England has stepped in three times to change the parameters to try and stabilize them. It hasn't worked. What do they need to do f- for them to you know, stabilize? Well, Francine, we could possibly be looking at uh, whatever it takes sort of moment here for the Bank of England, because so far, they've really been on kind of defensive mode, you know, they, 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 look at the market reaction they decide to do something in response the market doesn't really um, uh, respond all that well or at least uh, the the way that the Bank of England intended and then that necessitates even more action from the bank I think what markets are really looking for is really decisive action they may be looking for something more broad in longer term but do they need to persist with the backstop for you know much longer then actually the end of this week, possibly into that November the 3rd Bank of England decision where we could see a steep interest rate hike. That's certainly one of the initial steps uh, that we're hearing from investors that could potentially calm the market, extending the length of this backstop um, from the current end date, which is meant to be this week. But then also, I think this uh, goes back to the very heart of the trajectory of Bank of England policy itself. And we were talking about a bank that is meant to be tightening policy. They're meant to be raising rates. They're meant to be embarking on that quantitative tightening process or, you know, that process of uh, uh, rolling off bonds from its balance sheet after such a long time of buying them, that might all be thrown into question because of the extent and the speed of what we've seen in terms of the market meltdown and the very real implications that it has for the pensions industry. Yeah, that's been, it's been the quantitative confusion, it's been called, right? They were supposed to be ending quantitative easing with quantitative tightening, and then suddenly they're going back to easing again and there really is a credibility problem here isn't it it's interesting you, you say we need a whatever it takes moment right that's Mario Draghi and of course the last time if you look at your 
WB function on your Bloomberg terminal. Last Love time you function. see those sort of bond moves for government bonds across Europe. WB for world bonds. For world bonds, thank you very much, on your nearest Bloomberg terminal. That was back <laughs> in the in the debt crisis in Europe, right? When Mario Draghi had to step up and say, I will do whatever it takes to save the euro. Can you see Andrew Bailey coming out to the steps of the Bank of England and making some sort of declaration? Well, that's only the hope. We don't know if that will actually happen. I, I would love to see it happen because we're right outside the Bank we of England. We can probably see it from yeah, here. Exactly. Although, could we I just say, Mario Draghi didn't spend a single euro cent back then, <laughs> right. right? Where th- they've already spent and the market is testing, testing and testing. Yeah, well, this is the legacy of quantitative easing and, you know, this whatever it takes moment that Mario Draghi kind of laid out as an example with the rest of the policymakers in the world, right? I mean, he managed to do it back then. Um, what This was more than a decade ago now, but the stakes have been raised since then, uh, probably because we have been so used to such a long time of really low rates, really easy monetary policy, very supportive central banks. Uh, but that is all uh, getting behind us now. You know, we're entering a new era where central banks are really prioritizing inflation, potentially overgrowth, and they may not necessarily uh, be, uh, you know, it may not necessarily be a contentious thing to see a recession as a result of these yeah. efforts to control inflation. I mean, you know, the, with the, we've got a chancellor who said, you know, in the initial turmoil after his mini budget, said the markets will do what the markets do i wonder how long that can hold if things continue to spiral and as you if you say if there's even a possibility of a big pension fund in danger i mean surely it's not just the bank of england that need to do something here right it's the treasury and the government as well isn't it yes is that, is that the question <laughs> <laughs> an they, right? do, they need fact. to get their act in order even i know that dave <laughs> and, and speak from the same hymn sheet um so I think it's a problem that needs to be dealt with. We kind of know that there's a lot, a lot of lobbying going on to find a way forward, at least on the pension side. Uh, we don't really know yet where this is going to lead, mm. but there will. They, they, things need to change because no one guarantees we're not going to go through the same 48 hours of chaos, which might be a week of chaos. They say they're better prepared, but cash can only last you that long. If it's not two days and it's five days, then a lot of the selling has left funds with many liquid assets like private equity, private credit, infrastructure. These are very hard to sell assets. So I'm not sure what is going to happen if they are completely dried of cash. Thank you both for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's bonus episode of In the City, and we will be back later in the week. But in the meantime, if you like our show, please head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts, rate, review and subscribe. And also definitely sign up for our newsletter, The Readout with Allegra Stratton on bloomworld.com slash newsletters or check out the show notes for a link. This episode was hosted by me, Francine Lacqua. And me, David Merritt. It was produced by Summer Sadi. And special thanks to Christine Aquino and Lucia Giftapalu.
collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.